When a young man is getting ready for bed one night, all of a sudden, he hears someone outside of his house trying to get in. But he he goes to bed anyways. I don't know if this guy's braver than I am. When he finally does get to sleep, he finds himself thrust into a world of tiny animals. Are you going to describe a dream for us? Hold on. As he's sleeping, as his head hits the pillow, he finds himself in a world of tiny animals, UFO invasions, and a fairy princess who loves destroying the planet. And then I stopped talking about a dream. I'm pretty sure it's not a dream, but actually, I think it's an encounter. We'll go into it. But after that story, we take a look at a simple yet unanswerable question. I I never thought about this before, and it really makes you think. Why are there no fat ghosts? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. I hope you guys had an awesome weekend. First off, walking into Dead Rabbit Command is our newest Patreon supporter. Everyone get on your feet and give a good Dead Rabbit applause to Spear and Fang. Woohoo! Yeah, come on in, Spear and Fang, walking into Dead Rabbit Command. It might be two people for all I know. Maybe it's a dog named Fang and a man named Spear. It's just one guy who really likes poking people, Spear and Fang. You're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally understand. Just help spread the word about the show. That really, really, really helps out a lot. Spear, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. Drive us all the way out to Garden Grove. We're headed out to Garden Grove, California. It's August 1979. It's a warm summer night. There's a guy sitting at home alone. His name is Thomas Puzzo. He's 27 years old, and he's at home. He's getting ready to go to bed, right? I swear this is not a dream. I swear this isn't a dream. Thomas Puzzo, he's wearing little pajamas, a little hat, a little hat with a little fuzzy ball on the end of it. He's getting ready to go to bed, and as he's... Shutting everything down for the night, he hears something outside his house. He said it sounded like someone was kind of jiggling the handle of his screen door. And he's like, what in the world? So he goes outside, he looks around, there's nothing out there. Warm, late summer breeze. But nothing else. He ends up going upstairs and putting his head to the pillow. Now he says, I went to sleep, but it didn't feel like sleep. He could this is what's interesting about this, this is where the story starts. He goes, he couldn't really describe how it felt. He goes, it felt like a type of sleep that you can't describe. Not like a fitful sleep or deep sleep or something like that. Uh, almost a state akin to sleep, a uh, parasleep, something sleepy yet beyond. Even I can't really clarify it. But he's in this state. He's in this kind of sleepless, sleeping state. And the next thing he knows, he's in a wheelbarrow. 
He's in a wheelbarrow, and he's rolling down the steepest street in Garden Grove. Whoa! Whoa! Gripping the sides, sweat flying off of his brow. He's going down this street, but the entire city is enmeshed in darkness. Whoa! Whoa! All the street lights are off, all the house lights are off. He's rolling down this street out of control. When the wheelbarrow gets to the bottom of the hill, he rolls out. And suddenly, he's standing behind a fence. And the darkness is gone. He's actually standing underneath the noonday sun. He looks over this fence, and he sees a brooder. I had to look this up. It wasn't a sad guy. I didn't see a sad guy sitting there. A brooder is a place where baby chicks hang out, little little tiny chicken babies walking around. He said it was about four foot by three foot, this brooder, but there weren't baby chickens in it. It was full of cows and horses, but they were tiny. They were one inch tall cows and horses. He's watching them just kind of walk around, stuff like that. <laughs> like, Jesus. This is clearly a man dreaming. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. You're just describing dreams at this point. This is nothing paranormal about this, dude. Anyways, he looks over the fence. This story's dope. This story's dope. He looks over the fence. He sees a little cow, a little chicken. He sees a bunch of them, right? How many cows and chickens could you fit into a four-foot by three-foot structure? Zero. If they were normal size. These are tiny guys. And then... He looks up over the brooder, and he sees six UFOs flying in a V-shaped formation. One of them shoots a beam at him, and he takes off running, right? What else are you going to do? <laughs> I probably would have put a couple cows and horses in my pockets. I'm like, hee-hee-hee, running down the street. He doesn't do that. He's not a forward-thinking man. He takes off running. And he sees an avocado tree sitting there. And he hides underneath the avocado tree. And he's like, finally, safe and sound. These advanced UFOs won't see me underneath this avocado tree. And then, ouch! He exclaims. Something pinches his arm really, really hard. And then he feels a paralyzing agent. Like a paralyzing venom just pour through his circulatory system. He can't move. He's just now slumped up against this avocado tree. And a giant dude shows up. This seven-foot-tall, ball-headed man shows up with these giant, round eyeballs. And he goes, Come with me. I won't hurt you. You don't really have a choice. <laughs> you don't really have a choice, right? You're paralyzed. Maybe you could ask me that before you injected me with his venom. The man, the giant man, is wearing like a white spacesuit. And had a giant collar, like a Dracula collar on it. But other than that, it looked like a typical spacesuit, right? He ends up picking up Thomas and carrying him out to this other set of trees. But this place is not a sunny little avocado tree. It's very, again, now we're going back to this enveloped, shadowed area. He takes him into this darkened forest. And inside the forest, Thomas sees a UFO. It's landed here. He sees one of those vehicles he had previously watched fly through the sky and he's taken on board 
when he gets taken on board, he sees seven gray aliens kind of busily moving about. They weren't just hanging out, enjoying a smoke break. They're all sleeping. They're also having their own dreams. And they were moving about the ship. They were kind of doing things more important, like whatever Thomas was brought on board for, they were doing something that was more important than that. When he's brought aboard this ship, he is told by the giant alien to watch this movie. We're going to have a movie on the screen. Turn your head and look at that movie. And Thomas said he's pointed, he's directed to turn to his left. So as Thomas is turning to the left to look at this movie screen, all of a sudden he begins to hear banging noises. Very, very loud noises like bam, bam, bam. And then Thomas is back in his bed. Thomas is safely back in his bed at home. So you go, Jason. Dude, dude hears something outside of his house, falls asleep. Maybe he doesn't have the best rest. Maybe because someone might have just tried breaking into his house. It's just a dream. Aha, uh-huh, see? Uh-uh, it's not that. Because I don't like doing stories about dreams. I don't find them particularly paranormal. I think we've done one or two over the course of the show. And if it's just a dream... Dreams are weird, right? But that's not paranormal. However, two things make this story not a dream. First off, when he woke up after all of this stuff, tiny animals, wheelbarrow accident, getting kidnapped, the first thing that he wanted to do was to eat cinnamon. He woke up He woke up from this dream, and he immediately had the unnatural urge, as he described it, to devour cinnamon. It's not just that. That's not just the only other paranormal thing about it. That's weird, though, right? When's the last time you had to... I don't know why I'm so defensive telling this story. It's like, I'm like, come on, guys, come on. He, w- <laughs> he wakes up. He suddenly wants to eat cinnamon. That's weird. Because I don't think you can eat cinnamon, right? Like, he's like, oh, I need cinnamon. You just can't put it in your mouth. I've seen enough TikTok videos to know that it doesn't work. He would have to, like, make, like, cookies or something like that. He's... You know what I mean? Like he would have, <laughs> he would have to like go and make a cinnamon roll. He's like, ah, it's too much trouble. But then he decides not to eat the cinnamon, even though he has an unnatural urge for it. But later that night, he's trying to go back to sleep. He's fully awake at this point. He's trying to fall asleep, and a fairy started flying. This room. This fairy comes into his house. He describes it as a short fairy-like creature. So generally, I would think it was like tiny dude with wings, right? It's kind of the only way that you could describe, like, a fairy. Tiny dude with wings comes flying around his house or flying around his bedroom. <laughs> He's like, oh, come on, man, I've already had a bad enough day. I don't have any cinnamon in my house. And I fell out of a wheelbarrow, I think. <laughs> that could have just been my dream. Go away, fairy. And the fairy begins flying around his house, and the fairy has a magic wand. And begins hitting Thomas on the head with this magic wand. And every time he turns him into a toad, no, that's not what happens. Every time this fairy hit him with the wand in the head, his entire mind, his entire like visual imagination, his entire thought process, that's the word I'm thinking of, his thoughts were filled with visions of infinite destruction. Bored up bodies all chewed to pieces, cities crumbling. Women holding their dying child in their arms. No, why? No. This fairy keeps hitting him in the head, and each time he sees something that's even more upsetting, even more horrific. 
I'm using the term magic wand. They say silver wand. I don't think there was like a little star on the end of it and sprinkle dust was coming off of it. And he's like, now time for another another vision of human suffering. Ding. This little little guy just had a silver wand. And every time she hit him with it, sees another vision of human suffering, death, and destruction on the planet. It's an interesting story. I got it from thingaboutadocs.com. They got it from the website iwasabducted.com. I don't even know if that website's still around. If it is, it's probably now just kidnapping porn or something crazy. Uh, let's check it real quick. But what if it's a fascinating story. As much as it does seem like a dream, like the first part seems like a dream, the second part definitely, yeah, it doesn't exist anymore. iwasabducted.com doesn't exist anymore. It's a fascinating story. It, it makes you... Th so here's what I think happened. I think that this guy probably was abducted. And what happened to him was so... This is going to sound, sound crazy, but what happened to him was even more crazy than what he saw. That's the only way his brain could organize what was going on. When you're talking about aliens, you're talking about something that is alien. You're talking about something that is not of this world. Something that is impossible. Now, we are lovers of the paranormal, and obviously we, that doesn't mean we believe everything we come across, but our level of what is possible and impossible is much different than a lot of people's, right? People who are very pragmatic, they'd be like, no, all of that's impossible, right? Aliens, ghosts, demons, whatever, it's all made up, it's all impossible. So when you encounter something that you believe is impossible... Your brain has to figure out some sort of way to organize that. And we know that, like, take away the UFO stuff. We know that when people suffer traumatic events, go through horrible situations, sometimes their memories are weird, right? Sometimes they just don't remember it at all. Or sometimes they'll remember stuff. I remember when I saw, and I've seen people die before. I've seen a lot of dead bodies. I used to work at a morgue. Or crematory, to be specific. I used to work at a crematory. I've seen a couple people die in my life, like, living to die, like I'm standing right next to them, and they die through different causes. I've seen car a lot of car accidents, and one person died in bed. One person died in the hospital. I didn't know the dude. I've told that story before on the podcast. But just a quick update. Or not an update, just a quick review. I was My dad was a chaplain at a hospital, and it was he had to babysit me that night. I think my mom was sick or something like that. So I went to the hospital with him. And he was, it's not last rites because we were Protestant, but it was something akin to that. Basically, this guy was dying in his hospital bed and he had his whole family around him. And my dad was there and I was there. I was like seven, right? I don't know this dude. And I remember my dad goes in. My dad's in there. Everyone's talking. And then my dad's like, okay, he ushers everyone out. And it's just my dad and the dying man in the bed. And I'm standing out in the hallway with this family. I don't know none of these people, right? I'm just here because I needed a babysitter. And I remember, like, people were going, going to the vending machines or stuff like that, stepping out for a smoke break. And I remember standing in the hallway with the dying man's son, who is probably close to my age now. But when you're a kid, everyone's, like, super old. And he's probably just in his 40s, right? And I remember we made casual conversation like, hey, I heard your dad's dying. How's that going? Just casual conversation. Like what type of conversation can a 40-year-old and a 6-year-old have when there's a dude dying in a room? But, you know, just casual conversation. I remember my dad came out. After, at some time had passed. I don't even remember how long. My dad came out and he said, it's time. The family kind of came back into the hospital room and I stayed out there, right? I figured this was a private moment. 
And after everyone goes in, my dad comes out of the hospital room and he goes, I want you to see this. So there I walked into the hospital room and I'm watching this guy die. He's like, see you guys later. I mean, it was so, I was just like, oh man. And they're like, we love you, dad. And he's like, I love you too. I'll be in heaven, guys. Don't worry about me. I'll see you guys. I'll see you guys all in heaven. And I love you guys. And we love you, dad. And he died. It was like, there was this. So I had seen that as a young man, right? I'd seen that boy, really, as a child. But so to go to, it's weird. Even though I'd seen people die, and I'd seen people die in some pretty horrific ways in person, right? Not talking about, like, videos and stuff like that. I remember when I uh, I saw this woman, I came across the car accident. She'd been, if I remember correctly, she'd been hit by two cars. And she was laying in the road. She was completely intact. We're standing around. We don't know really what to do because it's late at night. We're on Watt Avenue. The road's busy. And you there's a risk, right? If we go out there, we're sta- I'm standing maybe two or three feet from her, right? But she's in the roadway. We're all on the island. The, the ambulance hasn't even got there yet. And it's like, if we get out into the road, a car can hit us. Like, I almost hit. I almost plowed through the group of people around her. Because I didn't see them. I mean, it was late at night on one. So I pull over and I run across the street. And like, can I help? You know, everyone's like, can we help? Can we help? And I remember she was totally physically in one piece. And I'm watching her inflate like a balloon. Like, I clearly remember her going from being... I think she, she, she was in her 50s, if I remember correctly. Because I read about it later on in the news. She began to, like, her stomach began to inflate like a balloon. And it got huge. It got, like, you would be, like, nine months pregnant. Almost, like, 13 months pregnant. It just became this really, really big. And what I think happened was my mind was exaggerating how big she actually was getting. What I think happened was the car injury, the impact was so bad. She was she was internally bleeding. She was filling up like blood. She was filling up with blood like a balloon would, you know. But I don't think that happened. Like, I don't... It, it. She might have gotten a little bit bigger as all these fluids are kind of floating around in her body where not where they're supposed to be. Um, but I think part of it was my mind was exaggerating the event. I think that what I was seeing... Because, I like, I, for whatever reason, this one really upset me. I do know one thing was I didn't know what to do. I found her cell phone. It was broken. I'm sure I told this story before on the podcast as well, but I remember, like, we're waiting for the ambulance. She's in the road. She tried crossing the street. I picked up her cell phone, and I thought, because I'm, I'm a tech guy, I go, I can't help her, but I can do this. I can get the face panel's gone. Um, there's no numbers or anything like that. And I go, I'm going to find the last person she called and let them know what has happened, right? Because here's this woman dying in the street. And it, does that make sense? No, not really. But I remember pulling her phone up and I went to with, again, like this was like the older phone. So you had like the display and then you had like the manual keys. This happened years ago. What was it like 2006 or whatever? And I remember pulling up her her recent calls and I saw the list and I go, these are the last 10 people that this woman will ever talk to. They will never hear from her again. I remember that stuck with me. That really upset me. But I remember going to the menu and I saw the very first name and I went to hit call and the phone died. Like it just powered down completely. 
And I remember kind of hitting buttons and trying to turn it back on. I couldn't get it turned back on. And I think that that event upset me, one, because that idea, like, wow, these are the last 10 people that will ever hear this woman's voice. She's gone. And then that was the one thing I could do. If I could do anything, I could get this piece of broken technology to work, and I couldn't even do that. But I think... Go, go, go from that. I did not plan to talk about any of that. I did not plan to talk about any of that. Going, I think that we we can extrapolate from that. That woman didn't blow up like a balloon. Like even if all your blood was loose on your body, would you begin to immediately inflate? Because I mean, it's not generating new blood. All that blood would be. I don't know. Maybe, but even if she did inflate, she wouldn't have inflated that much. My brain was trying to process what was going on, and I think it was also my adrenaline was amped up because I almost plowed through three or four people. Like I was going so fast, I almost killed another three or four people who were standing around in the road. I think that's when they decided we need to get out of the road. But anyways, like when you see an event that's super traumatic, sometimes that your brain will try to make sense of it. It will be like bits and pieces of things. And I think that this guy could have easily gotten abducted aboard an alien craft. And the tiny horses and the wheelbarrow and the fence and the day and night, I think his brain could be making sense of something that is impossible. Being aboard an alien craft, I think some of it shows through the gray aliens working around the ship in a very clinical matter, right? When you get abducted, that's the most traumatic event of your life. That's the most important thing that's happening to you right now. But to the aliens, it was just a Tuesday afternoon. They still have maintenance stuff to do, empty trash cans and things like that. That's an interesting detail, the paralytic agent. But the things with the tiny horses and the tiny cows, the the you know the wheelbarrow chase... All of that stuff could have been things that were representations of what really happened. What I think is really fascinating, this is something that you do see in a very small minority of UFO stories, is the silver wand. That's popped up in, in what, we are episode, I don't even know where we're on right now, 955 or something like that. I think that's popped up in three stories. One we did recently, I'll put in the show notes, and then the Loveland Frog of Ohio also had a silver wand. And obviously wands pop up all through fey folklore, and a lot of that's been connected to UFOlogy. When you have little details that aren't... Gray aliens are spread across the board in UFOlogy, but when you have people recognize things that are repeated throughout UFO history, but in, in a very, very slim... Th- case of events a little very slim example of events that again makes me go you know maybe there is something to this particular story and the fact that the fairy was flying around while he was awake is another thing that makes me think part of this i think the story itself may be true but there's so much hallucination so much bizarreness in it that it comes across as almost a dream because it's unbelievable to us it's probably unbelievable to him as well he's trying to make sense of it and his brain said you are in a wheelbarrow when in fact, that's when he was being abducted in some sort of way that he just couldn't make sense of. It's a fascinating story. Is it a dream? I think, again, it, it could easily just have, it could have easily just have all been a dream. And then he woke up and he really wanted cinnamon. And then he ate too much of it and had another dream about a fairy. But I think there probably is something deeper there. When your brain can't make sense of stuff, it will try its best. And just like a dream where you wake up and you go, that didn't make any sense. But in the dream, it made total sense. You don't question it while you're dreaming. You only question it when you wake up. Are those other times when you may have experienced something traumatic and your brain is just like, nope, we're not going to let it. We're not going to let you know what really happened because then you would just not be able to operate. 
you just wouldn't be able to function. Spear and Fang, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind Garden Grove as this guy's getting ready to go to sleep. He's like, oh, all those visions and death and destruction kept me up all night. It's time to go to bed. We're like, no, Thomas, no. Take us out of Garden Grove. We're headed all the way out to a spooky haunted mansion. We're walking around this spooky haunted mansion. We hear like a creaking from upstairs. And we're like, okay, we're not going upstairs. We're not going upstairs for a while. We're going to walk around on the ground floor. We got our flashlights ready and we're like, looking. there's a rocking chair in the corner. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. It's Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson sitting in the rocking chair. Shimone. We're like, okay, maybe we'll go over there later and get an autograph. But we're walking around this haunted mansion, little kids running around. There's like an old spooky butler floating down the stairs. Yo, wine, sir. All this good stuff, right? All the stuff you would expect from a haunted house. Free wine. You didn't know that? If you break into a haunted house, there's always free wine. Walking around this haunted house. We've been here for a while. We've seen all sorts of ghosts. And really, as paranormal fans, right? As people who have investigated paranormal for years and years and years, or maybe you're a newcomer to wanting to talk about dead people. Maybe you're a newcomer to all of this. There is one, I've never thought about this before, but this question's popped up on the internet recently. And I go, that is true. Because as fans of the paranormal, we've absorbed dozens, hundreds, maybe even thousands of ghost stories throughout our lifetime. There's always generally one constant, and I, I just never thought about this before. None of the ghosts are fat. And I gotta give credit, I saw this posted online by someone called Kitchen Cook 8121 and really they just were asking the question, how come we don't ever see any fat ghosts out there? There should be a ton of... <laughs> no pun intended, no pun intended. There should be a ton of fat ghosts. There should be... I would argue a lot of, like, most ghosts should be fat. But they all tend to be slender to fit. Because think about it. We have tall ghosts. We have, like, the tall, lanky ghost that's seen standing at the end of your closet right when you shut the light off. He's watching you. Then you have short ghosts. We have tall ghosts. We have short ghosts. We have old ghosts. We have kid ghosts. Statistically, you imagine there would be a lot of fat ghosts. Because what makes a ghost? As far as we know, we really don't know what causes the phenomenon. It's not just that somebody dies. It's not just that somebody dies. Because then there would be, the world would have more ghosts than people. It's, you have to have these certain things. One, it has to be in a certain location that can retain the energy. Two, violent deaths can cause them, right? And then three, unfulfilled missions on Earth. Wishes that never came true, right? Longings that were never satisfied. And on the one hand, a lot of people responded to Kitchen Cook and said, well, maybe if you're, if you're morbidly obese, right? Again, we're not talking about ghosts that are slightly overweight. We're talking about like fat ghosts, really, really fat ghosts, right? You figure maybe they... <laughs> 
I'm not saying, I'm not particularly saying this, even though it's coming out of my mouth. And for those of you who don't know, I'm 290 pounds. I'm definitely not the slenderest of ghosts. If I died right now, would, well, that's the question. If I died right now, would I be a 290 pound ghost? Because we're not seeing any reports of these. They're very, very minuscule when there should be tons of them. And the idea is, part of the theory was, they go, well, maybe it's because fat people eat all the time. They feel good all the time. Because food, all this food that we eat is giving us these big endorphin rushes. So it's like, oh, yeah, man, this ice cream. <laughs> I ate a bunch of ice cream cake yesterday for my birthday, right? My birthday week has begun. I ate a bunch of ice cream cake. And it actually made me feel really sick to my stomach. I'm like, ah. But in general, when I'm eating a big bowl of chili beans and rice and I have the cheese and I have like the salsa and I'm sitting there and I'm eating it while I'm watching YouTube, it's giving me all these endorphins, all these fats and greases and rice is just turning into sugar when it hits my bloodstream. I should be super content. Like maybe it's the fact that when you're morbidly obese, outside of any sort of medical issues, like when you're just like, well, I really love eating stuff. I really love eating delicious stuff. Maybe that overrides any other sort of longing or desires. Like you're actually constantly satisfied. So when you die, your spirit's like, I'm good, dude. <laughs> that was a pretty good run on Earth. I ate a ton of whatchamacallits. I, I got what I needed. <laughs> Snickers left me satisfied. I'm ready to go into the afterlife. That's one theory, right? That you eat so much that it actually satisfies you. It does. But my thing is, I think about it, right? Because 290, I used to be 350. Like, that's how high I got. I would drink a gallon of Kool-Aid a day. And I would eat a can of chili beans, two bags of rice. I'd use that instant Uncle Ben's rice. Probably five slices of cheese. I know a couple of you guys are getting grossed out right now. But two bags of rice, a can of Denison's chili, five slices of cheese. And then as a fork, this is how you become, <laughs> this is how you become 350 pounds when your utensils are edible. As a fork, the way I would put the food into my mouth, I would either use a tortilla, so that'd be an extra four tortillas to eat this meal, or I would use chips and salsa. You put the chip into the beans and the rice and the cheese, and then you take some salsa too. I think I figured it out one day. That one bowl of that is about fifteen to 1,600 calories. And some days, some days that would be my lunch and my dinner. Not that I not that I, not that I would save some for later is that I would eat it and then at dinner time I'd I'd have the same thing. So I was I loved it, right? It was super delicious. It gave me a little endorphin high, right? I was like that in my early 30s, right? And it was around the age of probably like 38, 39 where I was like I fell down and I almost broke my kneecap. And I was like that's it for me. Like, if, if I had broken my kneecap, I, I, my life is over. I would be immobile. I walk everywhere. I don't have a car. I would be immobile. I wouldn't be able to get anywhere. I wouldn't be able to work. And I definitely wouldn't ever be able to get healthy. 
So I made a serious commitment to lose weight, and I went on keto and went from 350 to about 280, 280, 275, and then I fought that for the longest time. I could never get past that, and then I put on a little weight over the summer, so I put on about 10 pounds over the summer eating at my mama's house, and I'm doing good now. I'm actually back on the the weight loss train. But I wouldn't, if I had died when I was 35 or 36, I definitely wouldn't have been content no matter how much food I ate. Like, there was stuff I wanted to do. Like, I wanted to be a writer. I really, I wanted to be a storyteller. Like, this was before the podcast. This was before I was able to have this opportunity to find these stories and share them with you. I would have been completely, like, if I had died back then, I would have been a wandering soul. I would have been completely, like, all of those dreams and passions that I had that I didn't do because I was too busy eating. And watching YouTube. Every morning I'd wake up and I'd go, today I'm going to write a chapter of my book. And I would go to work and I would think about what I was going to write. And I would walk home and I'd think about what I was going to write. And then I would get home and I'd watch YouTube for eight hours. And then I'd go to bed completely miserable. I was all I was so unhappy. And he wasted a day. He wasted the day. He wasted it. Next morning, I'd wake up, be like, okay, today's the day. Today's the day I'm going to write. I did that for years. It sucked. It was miserable. It was miserable. I was so unhappy. So unhappy. So I think if I had died back then, I wouldn't, no matter how much food I ate, right? I wasn't content with what I wasn't content with my weight from just a health perspective because I knew it was not good for me healthy wise, but so just wasn't content. I'm a creative person. I like creating stuff. And even though I did community theater, which I had a lot of fun with, made a lot of friends and I did stuff like I needed, I needed something more. And if had I died back then, right? Had I got hit by a car, was walking down the street and fell over a heart attack, you know, who knows? Right. I wouldn't have been a, I know for a fact I wouldn't have been a content ghost. I think if I died now, I still have so much that I want to do, that I need to do. I want to be content, right? To be floating around. But it is true, right? We don't see the amount of fat ghosts that we see. What is it like 40% of the U.S. population right now is considered overweight? And again, that's not just like, oh, I put on an extra 15 pounds this summer. Like, no, it's like, like noticeably overweight, but we don't see those ghosts. So why don't we see those ghosts? It's an interesting question. It is a true piece of the phenomenon. My theory is this, is that, and I think this explains a lot of stuff. This explains why ghosts appear in period clothing. I think this explains why you can have a soldier on a civil war battlefield just get completely blown to bits by Confederate artillery, right? And he may appear as a ghost. Died a tragic death. He's 17 years old out there with a gun running across the battlefield. But he doesn't show up as a pile of body parts. Even though his uniform was just torn to shreds, he'll show up in his uniform. Because that's how he visualizes himself. Now, we do have some ghosts that have grisly wounds to them, right? A bloodied uniform. We do have headless ghosts, but again, in the amount of ghost sightings we have, the amount of headless ghosts compared to the amount of people who died by having their head cut off, who appear as ghosts with their heads, it's still not a complete comparison. We have a lot of ghosts of people who have been hung, a lot of them. 
And a lot of the time, I would argue most of the time, they show up as just ghosts walking around the house, walking around in the field, what have you. We do have hanging ghosts, sure. But again, compared to the amount of people who died by hanging and all the ghosts of people who died by hanging, we have a small group of them who are actually still hanging to this day in spectral form. I think it's how you visualize yourself. I think the ghosts that show up without their heads, the ghosts that show up still hanging from bridges, that death was so traumatic that they're still appearing as that. But you have people all the time who are like hit by cars and now they appear as still just ghosts standing by the side of the road or little girls running across the parkway and stuff like that. And so I think that when a fat person dies, they can appear as a ghost, right? They do have that unfulfilled life, but they don't visualize themselves as a fat person. A fat person, and I know this doesn't apply to everybody, just like people who get blown a bits in the Civil War, sometimes they show up as just a rolling head through the battlefield. Sometimes they show up as a guy wearing the uniform and they aren't even at the battle site. They're back at home, you know? I think the fat people, they don't visualize themselves as fat people. So it could be that the reason why we don't see a lot of fat ghosts is because fat people don't identify themselves, their visual selves as them being fat. I know when I dream, I'm not overweight in my dreams. I don't, I cannot off the top of my head ever, in my dreams, I am fit. Not muscular, muscular, like take that dream zombie, ah, throwing him across the battlefield, but I'm not 290 pounds. I'm like 180. I don't think I've ever had a dream where I'm overweight. I, I, that, that, I'm sure I've had one or two. I don't remember them. For all I know, I've had a thousand. I don't remember them. In my dreams, I'm like 180, 200 pounds. And I think when I die, my ghost will appear 180 to 200 pounds. And I think that is why we don't see fat ghosts, because I don't think it has to do with the theory that they eat so much that they're totally content. I think it has to do with your ghost is your representation of yourself. Now, does that theory completely hold up water? Not necessarily. Like, I think you could probably poke holes in that. But I'd be more than willing to hear other people's theories. Like, again, this is a fascinating question, because whatever your theory is, whether mine holds any water at all, the truth of the matter is we have very, very few stories of overweight, obese, morbidly obese ghosts. They are so rare that you would have to struggle to think of one. And I'd be shocked if you could really come across a story about a 400-pound ghost. 400-pound people die all the time. They die alone in their homes, right? All the stuff you can think of, they die alone in their home. Their body's not found for three days. They're devoured by cats. It's like all the worst possible things you can think of that would be ingredients for a haunting. No fat ghosts. No 400-pound ghosts. I've never seen that in the literature. Pudgy ghosts? Sure. 300, 400, 500-pound ghosts? Never heard of it before. Ever. And ghost stories, like a lot of people are saying, well, you know, it takes 100 years. That's why all these ghosts are showing up in these period clothing, and it takes a long time for the ghost to manifest. That is not true. Most hauntings start within that generation. Most hauntings are almost immediate. I would say, if not within the first couple months, definitely within the first two or three years, is when the old ghost stories about the Confederate ghosts walking around the battlefield, those stories started during the war. 
we talk a lot about old-timey ghosts because those places get a lot of publicity because it's this inn in Connecticut who's like, yeah, our place is haunted. Realtors don't want to tell you that a 400-pound dude died in your house. So we don't hear about those ghost stories, but where are the 400, 500, 600-pound ghosts? Where are they? How come people aren't seeing them? Fascinating question, and is my theory right? Who knows? But it is a fascinating question, and it's part of the phenomenon we have to investigate because it is possible that it is that fat people don't leave ghosts. Not because they're NPCs, not because they don't have a soul to begin with, but if they have the ability, if a 600-pound man has the ability to die and go into the afterlife, but a 180-pound dude is still trapped on Earth, why? That's a, it's a very, very fascinating question if you think about it. What's the difference? They both, same age, same tragic death. What is the cause of that phenomenon? And if we can answer that, we may be one step closer to knowing what truly happens when we die. We will be one step closer to finding out what causes a soul to be trapped on earth. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at Dead Rabbit Radio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.